So, this is a book called uh, Subjective Evolution of Consciousness by Swami Sridhar. He was like one of Prabhupada's, one of the guys with Prabhupada, you know, Hare Krishna. But, yeah. but he was like, a, he, he set up a different, like, a different sect, a different, like, branch than Prabhupada did with Hare Krishna. But, uh, so his is more philosophical. And that's, that's actually the temple that I'm staying at right now. His, his thing. Interesting. Yeah, but uh, but I was reading the thing, and this is this is actually exactly like how I saw the stuff, you know, uh, or or, or more close, and it's kind of different from what the way that you saw, because you know you would say like, oh yeah, consciousness it, it emerges from the brain, like it's an emergent property. But I was always I would see it as kind of like that everything's a quadrant model. And it's just different relations of that, and yeah, but it, it doesn't. No. Um, are you ready for it? Yeah. So it says, uh, evolution is generally thought of as something objective, but objective evolution is a misconception of reality. Evolution is actually based on consciousness, which is subjective. Subjective evolution, however, seems to be objective evolution to the ignorant. Any thoughts? Well, that's an interesting proposition. I'll be interested to hear how he explains that. <laughs> yeah, so he says, in ignorance, we think of ourselves as subjects. Although in reality the Lord is the subject and we are his objects, we think of ourselves as proprietors, although we are his property. Any thoughts? Well, yeah, we are expressions, yeah, that would be it. We are creations, in that sense, objects, I guess. Yeah, so it, says, it is said that all things happen by the will of the Vaishnavas, the devotees of the Lord. A Vaishnava is like a faithful employee who speaks the will of the employer. He has no will of his own. The will of the pure Vaishnava is nothing but the will of God. In ignorance, however, we try to make the Lord our servant. But this is like using a salagarama sila to crack nuts. The Lord is not an object. He is the seer, the doer, and the knower, the supreme subject. But we foolishly think of ourselves as such. Any thoughts? Yeah, that, that we are the agents of, the, of, that, of that reality. Uh. We're just the agents of the flow rather than the author of the flow. So it says, the concept of subjective evolution is explained in Srimag Bhattavagatam. Tasmad Idam, okay, I'll just skip that part. It says, by an illusion created by the Lord, the universe appears to be real, although it is not. Just as miseries we suffer in dreams are only imaginary. Any thoughts? Yeah, that's good. What does that mean to you? But by an illusion created by the Lord, the universe appears to be real, although it is not just as miseries. We suffer in a dream. We are only imaginary. What does that mean? Well, just what it says. That we're, we're living in a dream and we're... And because, because we um, think it's real, then for we experience it as real, as painful. But it's just a dream. All we have to do is awaken from the dream. What he's saying. And what does that mean to wake up from the dream? Well, wake up from the illusion that, or from the, from the belief that we, that, that we live in a, in a physical, personal world, mm. a world of persons and objects. Mm. Yeah, that's that. No. It says, unintelligent people take the subject as an object. It is ignorance to confuse the eye with the seer or the basin with the knower. This is described in Srimad Bhagavatam. Any thoughts? No. The unintelligent equate the sky with the clouds, the air with the dust particles floating in it, and think that the sky is cloudy or that the air is dirty. Any thoughts? Yeah, that's a good metaphor. Consciousness is not a product of the world. The world is a product of consciousness. This world is perverted reflection of the spiritual world. In the material world, the world of exploitation, as Darwin says, it is a question of survival of the fittest. We must exploit to survive. Uh, but in the spiritual world, the land of dedication, everyone is ser a serving unit. There will, there will f find a happy life through dedication. Or there we will find a, a happy life through dedication. No. In that super-subjective realm, Sri Krishna is eternally engaged in his divine play with his most intimate servitors. And as our consciousness evolves through dedication, we find our highest prospect there. 
where we have a part to play in the pastimes of the sweet absolute. It does. No. Uh, so it says fossilism, hypnotism, and the cosmos. So it says, Doctor. So it's, it's, a, it's a conversation. So Doctor Singh. Uh, it says this, this chapter is an excerpt from a conversation between Srila Sridhar Maharaj and neurophysiologist Doctor Daniel Murphy and physician organic chemist or physical organic chemist Dr. Taudam Singh. Dr. Singh, when scientists speak of evolution, they mean that life has evolved from matter. I have heard you speak of evolution with quite a different concept. You say that everything is evolving from consciousness. Any thoughts? Well, I'll be interested to see how he explains that, that everything emerges from consciousness. So this is Dara Maharaja. Yes, consciousness comes first and then matter. The basis of all things material is consciousness which is spiritual. Consciousness can contact consciousness directly. When consciousness comes into the state of matter, material conception, we experience a kind of vague consciousness. First, there is a hazy consciousness, and then material consciousness, but everything has its spiritual side. Any thoughts? Not yet. Um, but every, uh, and, and it, as eternal souls, our direct connection is really only with the conscious aspect of existence. For example, the earth is conceived of as a woman. According to the Vedas, the presiding deity of the earth is a woman, and the sun is conceived of as a devata, a male god. Any thoughts? No. So the soul coming into material consciousness must come through some hazy reflection of consciousness. Chidabasa. Only then can the soul experience material consciousness. Before pure consciousness evolves to material consciousness, it will pass through a hazy stage of consciousness or Chidahasa. So in the background of every material thing, there is a spiritual conception. This cannot but be true. Any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, everything's a reflection. Hmm. A shadow of the background. Uh, any thoughts, huh? No. So, Dr. Singh, what is Chidahasa? Sridhara Maharaj. Something like mind. Suppose consciousness comes to feel matter. When consciousness is coming to the material world to know the material world, it has to first pass through material consciousness, and then it can feel what is matter, according to Darwin's theory. Uh, matter gradually produces consciousness, but before producing consciousness, it must produce some hazy consciousness, then mind, and then the soul. But in reality, it is just the opposite. Any thoughts on that? No. So subjective evolution parallels objective or material evolution. But in the evolution of consciousness, the supersubject is first then the individual soul or jiva subject is next. Then from the subjective consciousness of the jivas, matter is produced. But uh, but consciousness must penetrate hazy consciousness to perceive matter. Any thoughts? No, apparently there's the levels of consciousness that need to be developed before you can become conscious of what appears to be matter. No, you, you don't understand, I don't think, but... But the thing is, uh, yeah, what, what uh, this is what like the kind of quadrant model is is you know describing is that what first is the quadrant, you know, and then everything f emerges from that, and you know the idea of evolution, it's not really evolution, it's just the evol the quote unquote evolution just is to reveal the quadrant. If you look at the the four great apes and the four, you know, it's always fitting the quadrant pattern. Uh, all these, or, or you know, the quadrant's always revealing itself as supreme, so it's, it can't be a random Darwinian evolutionary aspect. It has to be, you know, it's like we're in a dream. It makes us think that it's real. Like reality makes it seem like there's evolution, but that's just to keep people entrapped and playing in the game and, and trying to come up with naturalistic explanations to keep them within the dream. But really it's just a quadrant expressing itself. And, but you know, it, it's reality is kind of a game. It keeps you entra uh, entrapped in the dream. It's kind of like a dream. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, what's the difference between conscious, everything is an expression of consciousness and everything is an expression of the quadrant? Well, the, 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 the consciousness itself is a quadrant. The, 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 you know, the aspects of consciousness come, come from the quadrant. You know, the, the, the way that we perceive sensation, perception, response, awareness. If, if you just look at, if you study everything, the, the quadrant pattern is what's shaping it. Thinking, emotion, doing, dreaming is a third quadrant. That's a part of consciousness, Right. And there's aspects of thinking that are, you know, that's that's the most mental aspect. That's the first quadrant. Emotion, you know, there's four main emotions and thoughts. 
you know, the, the, the words that we use for thinking it's shaped by the quadrant, Noam Chomsky's way of language, you know, thoughts related to language. And, you know, there's four, you know, the four parts of the language. And yeah, the quadrant is supreme. That, that's, that's what's supreme. What this book is saying is that consciousness is supreme. Yeah, no, actually this book is going to say Krishna is supreme and not consciousness. But, but that's what it's going to say. And, and Krishna would be the quadrant. But, but no, yeah, but, but no, yeah, there's something more supreme than consciousness, obviously, but, but no, but yeah, so what, what it's saying is, is that at least what this is saying, which is, you know, pointing at, at the, at the quadrants ways is that you, you think that there's evolution in that it's coming. You're like, you, you would say what you said before is like, oh yeah, consciousness emerges from the, from the brain and everything. No, the brain is just a quadrant revealing itself in all aspects. The body is just, a, all of it is just a quadrant revealing itself, but it makes it seem like it's coming like naturally and materialistically because that's a part of the dream, you know, until you can come to the realization it's all one, the quadrant. But the the point is though, you know, the, um, you know, you, you thought that, oh, consciousness emerges from the brain, but this, this guy's saying no. No, no, I thought conscious awareness does. Yeah, not okay. consciousness. Okay, so what's the difference? Well, Consciousness is the supreme reality. Uh, awareness. No, Krishna is, is Krishna is the supreme reality. Is going to say it's not going to say consciousness, but yeah, what are you going to say? Well, just what I said. Yeah. So, but but my point is though. Yeah, but you would say that it was an emergent property, but but the idea is. No, I said. That's what you said before. Okay, conscious awareness is emergent property. property. Yeah, but but what this is saying is that you know all of its concomitant, it's all like you know. There, there is you know, that that's cause and effect thinking to think that something emerges from something else really it's just a quadrant revealing itself in all aspects and what what what's emerging from what and what's causing what and what's affecting what doesn't really matter it's just what matters is a quadrant's expression well but what this book is saying is that consciousness is what matters right no you, we're going to get to that later but but yeah yeah okay that's what he's kind of saying but he's going to say krishna is the ultimate but ain't doesn't it no all right, so it says, uh, I have you he heard you speak uh, of, yeah, well, you know, the, the people in, in this temple, they're, they, they're against the idea of it's just consciousness. They're, they would see that as mayavadi, or they would, they're against the idea of everything is energy. You know, the, they call them mayavadis. They believe that Krishna is a supreme, you know, but the way I see it is, is, is a quadrant. But anyway, that's not. No. Um, so it says, uh, when scientists speak of evolution, they, they mean that life has evolved from matter. I have heard you speak of evolution with quite a different concept. You say that everything is evolving from consciousness. Siddhara Maharaj. Yes. Consciousness comes first, then matter. The basis of all things. You see, I don't, I don't necessarily put one above the other. Me, myself, the, you know, the, the mind is a, is a first quadrant. The body is a third quadrant is the more physical, you know, and, and they're all necessary and they're all just parts of the quadrant and it's expression. You know, there's people who are who are the physicalists. There's four positions. There's the monists who believe that everything is the mind. There's the physicalists who think everything is the is physical. There's the dualists who think it's both, and there's the neutral monists who believe that it's neither the mind nor the physical. There is no mind or physical. And but the idea is, oh yeah, there's mind, there's physical and stuff, but all of it really is is just a quadrant's expressing itself in in those relational aspects. To say like, oh, there is no mind or oh, there is no body. Well, of course there's a mind. Of course there's a body. Look, like right now I'm thinking it's not coming from, you know, or of, you know, of, of course there's a physical body. Look, I'm touching myself right now, but it's really all of it is, is, is just different relationships in the quadrant. Any thoughts? No, that's clear. So it says Sri Dara Maharaj. Yes, consciousness comes from uh, comes first and then matter. The basis of all things material is consciousness. Which is spiritual. Um, consciousness can contact consciousness directly. When consciousness comes into stage of matter, material conception, we experience a kind of vague consciousness. First, there is hazy consciousness, and then material consciousness. But everything has a spiritual side, and and as eternal souls, our direct connection is really only with the conscious aspect of existence. For example, the Earth is conceived. Oh, we already read that part. Okay, so something like mine. Suppose consciousness comes. From matter, when consciousness is coming to the material world to know the material world, it has to first pass through material consciousness, and then it can feel what is matter. According to Darwin's theory, matter gradually produces consciousness, but before producing consciousness, it must produce some hazy consciousness, then mind, and then the soul. But in reality, it is just the opposite. So subjective evolution parallels 
objective or material evolution. But in the evolution of consciousness, this super subject is first, then the individual soul or jiva subject is next. So what you're saying is, yeah, like conscious awareness comes from the brain and stuff. And yeah, you know, that that's true. But really, it's all just the quadrants, just relational aspects of the quadrant. And, and there is no cause and effect and stuff. But yeah, it is true. You know, this guy was trying to say the other night, like, oh, but, but you know, like, what about the, the bugs who don't have brains and they're conscious and stuff? But yeah, they have a different type of consciousness, maybe. You know, they don't have this complex or whatever. So yeah, you know, there's there's that there's an aspect, but really uh um yeah, to deny that is kind of ridiculous, but really it's just a quadrant is supreme. Any thoughts on you know what what's being witnessed, it's all being it, it as as he was saying, it's it's being ordered, it's being structured by the by by Krishna, by the quadrant. You know, that that's what's or, organizing everything. And you think that you're you think that you're the subject, but really there's something controlling you, but greater. And you don't like that idea because you like the idea of, but oh, then you're gonna resign to that or you're gonna surrender to that. Not necessarily. It it depends if what what you're gonna do with that. But regardless, I would say still it the the quadrant still supreme, whether you know whatever whatever attitude or outlook you you decide to adopt, still the quadrant supreme, and it it decided that for you actually. Any other thoughts? Yeah. So it says, uh, but in the evolution of consciousness, the super subject is first, then the individual soul or jiva subject is next. Then from the subject of consciousness of the jivas, matter is produced. But consciousness must penetrate hazy consciousness to perceive matter. Any thoughts? So I say that the process of evolution moves from the top downward. The absolute reality, if we at all assert that there is anything which is an absolute reality, must possess two qualifications. What is that? First, in the words of Hegel, he must be by himself. He is his own cause. Second, and more important to us, he is for himself. He exists to fulfill his own purpose. He is not subservient to any other entity, for then his position would be secondary. Reality, the absolute, is full in himself. All other things are coming from him. The perfect substance already exists. What appears to us as imperfect comes down according to our own defective senses. Any thoughts? What do you think about that? First, in the words of Hegel, he must be by himself. He is his own cause. Any thoughts? No. I would say that that's a quadrant, you know? Yeah. Any thoughts? No. So it says the imperfect must be dependent upon the perfect, the ultimate reality, and the imperfect may be so arranged by him in order to prove his perfection. To prove the perfection of the absolute, there is conditioned and unconditioned finite and infinite reality. The defective world, therefore, has an indirect relation to the truth. Any thoughts? No. So it makes me think of like the world of forms, you know, the, you're saying like imperfect, secondary, and primary, right? That's what you would say, right? Yeah. So this is from the marginal says, however, consciousness cannot jump at once into the conception of matter. It must pass through a process to come to material consciousness. From the marginal position, from the verge of higher eternal potency, evolution and dissolution of the material world begins. This takes place on the outskirts of Svarupsaki, which is the system responsible for the evolution of the spiritual plane and is an eternally evolving dynamic whole. It is not that non-differentiation is the origin of differentiation. An eternally differentiated substance exists. The plane is filled with lila, uh, dynamic pastimes. Any thoughts? No, I don't know what that means. If a static thing can be conceived of as eternal, then why can't a dynamic thing be conceived of as eternal? That plane of Swarupa Sakti is fully evolved within. It is eternal. Evolution and dissolution concern only the degradation of the subtle spirit to the gross material platform and his evolution toward perfection. Here there is evolution and dissolution, but these things do not exist in the eternal abode of Svarupa Sakti. Any thoughts? No. So, you know, he's, he's talking about like Krishna's pastimes. He's saying that, that, that you know, the, the stories of Krishna, he says that that's like the world of forms, you know, and, and that's where everything is coming from or whatever. You know, any thoughts on that? No. But, but you see, but you see the thing about this is, you know, because because you know the uh, the Hari Krishna and I think this group too they're personalists. You know, but this is more philosophical than Hari Krishna.
but they're still personalists, so they still, you know, believe that Krishna is a, you know, a separate god, that a person, you know what I mean? But, um, but you know, in the quadrant conception, you know, the, the different relations of the different mythologies are all based around the quadrant. There's a four world religions. Hinduism is a fourth one, which is different. And it has like, it's more met metaphysical and stuff. And it also has personal aspects too, because that's the nature of the fourth. You know what I mean? Any thoughts? So, you know, the, it, it has different, you know, it, whereas like, you know, Buddhism's more mental oriented and, and Christianity is the second quadrant, which is more homeostasis. And third quadrant is Islam, which is more, you know, physical action oriented and has negative qualities. Any thoughts of that or negative connotations? No. So, but, but my, my point is though, but, but, you know, the, the Hare Krishna, they, they, they're personalists, so they, they, but they're not necessary, but still, you know, they can look at the, but, you know, we would look at the, the, the myths, the stories of Krishna and say, yeah, you know. But Krishna also represents the flow, you know, the the oneness consciousness, right? Yeah. But I think that they they would let you know they they want to believe that you know they want to hold grasp onto the idea that he's a person, you know. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um. So, but but that's all well and good because they're the fourth quadrant, and and the fourth quadrant is kind of you know has those qualities. So the you know their their idea to to want to do that is determined still by the quadrant, quadrant still supreme, and their differentiation in in acting and and you know living in the world and perceiving the world is still being induced by the quadrant. You know, any thoughts on that? Because you know, well, that makes sense. yeah, there, there's even there's even four. You know, there's a Vaishnavas, a Shaivites, and the, you know there's, there's four denominations and all that, but. All right, so it says the uh, objective evolution is what modern science calls Darwinian evolution. But how does subjective evolution unfold in Krishna conscious science? Sri Hara Maharaj, you have to take the example of hypnotism. Through a form of mystic hypnotism, the super subject controls a subject to see a particular thing, and he is bound to see that. One may think that as we see a stone, the stone compels us to see it as a stone. But it is just the opposite. We are compelled to see it as a stone being under the influence of of the super subject who displays everything as he likes when he commands see stone we shall see stone full control over whatever we see rests in his hands no power to control what we see rests in the objective world the objective world is fully controlled by the subjective this is confirmed in the bhagavad gita where krishna says if i say behold my mystic power you are bound to see it you have no other choice any thoughts so we are not a feather floating in the wind. We have a destiny. It's determined by Shiva. By Krishna. I it? mean Krishna. Yeah. Any other thoughts? No. Yeah, that's what they would say, and I, I would say, yeah, it, it's it's determined by the quadrant. But even the fa even the idea that you have free will, even what you you have free will, but still it it still is determined by Krishna. What happens? And it's determined by Krishna how much free will you have. Some people have more free will than others. And, you know, and, but, but still it's all being, you know, so we, we think that we're, we're seeing like, we're, we're doing, we think that we're doing this stuff, but really it's the quadrant, you know, any thoughts on that? No. You know, you, you think that, and I think that's the ultimate realization, but, um, but still, yeah, but then you say, oh, but why would you resign to that? You know, then, then you just surrender. You don't, you don't have to. You can decide not to, but still, that's still being determined by the quadrant. Your determination to not do that, because the quadrant still is, oh, it has always expressed itself as, you know, as as supreme. And but maybe I, it, now is the end of history, because now that people know that, it might be impossible for the quadrant to maintain its aspect. So maybe it's the end of history now, you know. But any thoughts on that? Yeah, could be. Or maybe not. But um. <clears throat> so it says uh. Krishna says, Mata, or says, he is the prime cause of remembrance, forgetfulness, and intelligence. He is a controller. For his own pleasure, his Leela, he can do anything. Any thoughts on that? No. This is true not only in the material world, but also in his own domain. What is meant by the statement of the Gita concerns this Brahmanda, this material world. The gist of this statement is that from the lower planetary systems up to the highest this entire area of evolution and dissolution everything is manipulated by him no credit can be attached to any external thing all credit should go to the center who controls everything any thoughts no 
And reality, the, huh? The, the quadrant controls everything. Yeah, that's the way I see it. You know, because when I, when I say that, like when this says Krishna does it, you know, yeah, you could say it's a, it's the flow or whatever. You know, yeah, Krishna represents the flow and stuff in in the stories. Yeah, because you know he kills the sun god and everything. Yeah, sure. But then also though, you know, they they they're seeing Krishna as a person. But even the idea that he's a person in his stories, they, they even the stories of Krishna fulfill the quadrant pattern. If you look the dominant pattern throughout all of them, like he he shoots sixteen arrows and it's four by four matrices throughout. You know what I mean? Any thoughts on that? No. And, and and even even the idea that you know of Hinduism believing in Krishna, whereas like Christianity believes in Jesus and. Buddhism, Buddha, you know, that's that's all the relationships of the quadrant of the four world religions and, you know, it, 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 and the races. And, and Any thoughts on that? No. So it says, in reality, it's subjective. It is based on consciousness. Color is perceived through the eye. It is not that the color is there and the eye can catch it, but the seer sees through the eye and perceives color. Um, any thoughts on No. So color is a perception. Its position as actual substance should be traced to the subtle plane of existence. This is the nature of reality. The gross is coming from the subtle. In Sankhya philosophy, of course, that is described as a trifurcated thing. According to Sankhya philosophy, there are three branches of reality. The sense, the senses, and the sense objects. Any thoughts? No. So, so the senses is the first quadrant. Sensation, perception, response, awareness. And, you know, the, the, the qualities of that is first quadrant oriented. It's weird. You know, it's unreliable. And that's that's the nature of the, the NFs, the first quadrant. Because it, it's it's a little bit like, it's a little bit fragile and like flimsy. The first quadrant is always that way. And that's the way sensations are. You can't really trust them. Any thoughts of that? No. But, you know, but the fact that they're that way, it's it's an absolute truth. Because it's a first quadrant aspect. And, and they have to be that way for the quadrant's revelation and expression. Um, any thoughts, man? No. So it says, sound is created by the ear, color is produced by the eye, and so on. The objects of the senses are in the mode of ignorance, tamaguna. The central instruments are in the mode of passion, rajaguna. And the power of sensation is in the mood, mode of goodness, sattva-guna. Any thoughts? No. Um, from the, from these proceed... Light, the eye, and color. Sky, the ear, and sound. In this way, mundane reality branches in three ways. Tamo, Raja, and Sattva. So the gross world is coming from the subtle through the channel of consciousness. The feeler, the instrument of perception, is creating the object of his perception. Any thoughts? No. Try to understand this principle of hypnotism. The whole thing is hypnotism. This whole creation. And it is completely in the hand of the supreme subject. All material laws have no meaning. The laws and the sub-laws are all pertaining to the subjective world. Any thoughts? No. I mean, I say it's kind of the same thing. It's, you know, if you look at the laws of physics, it's all the quadrant. You know, the, the four laws of thermodynamics, the four laws of kinematics. You know, wh why is it that the ball goes that way, the way that it goes? It's because of the four laws of kinematics. And, you know, it, and it really is all the quadrant stuff. If you And it's the only thing that they taught in this stuff. So is is it really just these laws, or is it really just the quadrant's relational expression in in different dynamics? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, could be. Yeah. So it says, Doctor Murphy, but how can one perceive this sort of hypnotism? Yeah. So it's like a hypnotism. You think that this stuff is real, but it's all just one thing in multiple forms. But it's all just one. But even even the multiple forms are all an aspect. You know, the differentiation of multiple forms are all an aspect of the quadrant's uh, distinctions. Any uh, in, in in, in relativity of the different uh, sections. Any thoughts of that? No. So it says, Srihara Maharaja, how can we know beforehand that in a laboratory combining hydrogen and oxygen, two gases will produce water? Only when one comes to a particular stage of scientific knowledge can he know that a more subtle... Oh, and what I was going to say is, like, you know, you, you would look at things like, oh, everything's energy and stuff like that. And like, oh, okay, yeah, it's, it's like, okay, it's just, it's just energy. But yeah, that, that could be true, like, metaphorically. What's up? Um, See, and, um, you still don't understand Ayanga? what I meant huh? when I said everything is energy. Yeah. That was the, just another word that together. I was using So, me and him are going to um, throw away uh, some food 
um as it's like like one second yeah. we we have to go to the mountains and dump it because uh-huh. um it's like we don't want to let it go to waste so uh-huh. we, we just like dump it to use okay. as compost okay but um can we just borrow your car just to drive no 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 not unless i'm in it yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like your friend from high school that's gonna. No, 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 no. Okay. My, my friend was in jacket, but you know I can't do it right now. All right, all right it's cool, it's cool. I'm um, talking on the phone, my grandpa. I'm, I'm trying to think if we could. Okay, yeah, I got you. It's all good. Hey, no worries. All right, so, uh, but no, yeah. So if if anything, that that's just like metaphorical. It, that doesn't really tell you much. Everything is energy. I know what you're trying to say. Okay, in the transpersonal perspective, you don't exist. Everything's energy. You're trying to get you to the idea of. You know, breaking out of self-confirmatory behavior, but still, I, I don't think it's accurate. The idea of everything's energy, I don't think it's helpful. Any thoughts? Well, just well, see, you still don't understand. I, when I said everything is energy, what I was saying is as a metaphor for saying everything is an expression of God. Yeah, but even that. But so so yes. but 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 That's how does how does that help it, with that? How does that help to say everything's energy to give you that metaphor? Well, like this book is saying, everything is is um, Krishna. Okay, but what does that have to do with energy, though? Uh, yeah, everything's energy, sure, but what? But I'm saying, what's the point of Krishna. that, though? No, but it's not, though. What, what, what good does that do to, to think that everything's energy? I didn't... I used that as a metaphor okay. of but, saying... But, but how is how, that a good metaphor? How does that help anything? Why not say everything's potato, or everything's like water? You know, that's what the that's what the you know Greek philosophers said. Like what, some of them said, everything is fire, or everything is is. Uh... No, 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 no. See, see, energy. There's no reality to energy. It's, yeah, uh, no, 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 no. But 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 there's reality to reality. Okay, never mind. Forget it. So no, but what's your what was your, what's your point that you're trying to make? There's no there's no reality in energy. So what what were you gonna get? No, forget it, forget it. No, but, but no, what were you gonna you'll, say? I'm curious. You'll never understand. What do you mean I'll never understand? I've tried for years to explain what I mean. You don't you don't. Because no, it. it's apophatic. Energy doesn't have a substance. I know what you're saying to say it doesn't have a substance. It's not, and 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 reality is apophatic. So you know this is get, getting out of you know any any mental content. So you could be open to inspiration. And one is that what you're gonna get at? That's what I've been trying to say for years. Oh, so then, and I don't get that. I just explained it to you. Well, then why do you keep asking me? And why do you keep you know uh, you saying it's wrong? They put compost away. Yeah. Yeah. I, only if I'm driving, because I don't want him to drive without me in the car. He has his own car. He knows how to drive. No, I know, but it, not unless I'm in the car with them. Because I don't let anybody drive my car unless I'm with them. Service flow. But when I'm done with talking with my grandpa, then I'll I'll do it. All right. So what are you saying about? Nothing. We're finished with that. No, so so I I understand that. Okay, but I mean, yeah, that's good, and that that's a part of the quadrant model too. The flow is the fourth quadrant, letting go, all that. Okay. So, but then then here's here's the question though. So. You know, I was thinking, uh, you know, so somebody said, uh, you know, is there such, is there such thing as cold? What, what would you say? Is there such thing as cold? Uh, I don't know. Because some people would say, no, there's no such thing as cold because cold is just like when the, when the particles are, are moving slower. We good. We got twelve inches of snow, and when I, I go out and sit in the snow, I'm cold. Yeah, so some some people say it's just it's just, it's just it's just when the particles are moving slower, then you perceive it as cold. So there's no such thing as cold. It's just particles moving slower, and your perception is that there's something called cold. You're perceiving something that's cold, but it's really just particles moving slower. So that some one person would say, "Oh, so then there's no such thing as cold. It's just particles moving slower." What would you say to that? Well. Particles moving slow is a cause and effect explanation of my sensory apparatus. Yes, yeah, so my sen- so my sensory apparatus um, makes me shiver hmm. in order to try to keep warm. Yeah, so it's, so then is there such thing as cold, or is that just it, per se? 
or what? Well, that's that's the name we give to the sensation of shivering in order to stay warm. And and I guess you're shivering in order to to increase the like the the movement of the particles or whatever to keep the blood well, flowing whatever, and stuff. Whatever, but anyhow, that's what happens. Here. But that's... but but when, when the particles are moving slower, okay. So, but anyways, but then some somebody else can say, no, you're wrong. You know, there is such thing as cold, and and maybe that's the only like reality. Like if perception is is the ultimate, and and yep. maybe the physical reality is just like that's not not the that's that's the dream aspect and, and the perceptions is the most real what would you say no i would not say that but if if, if this guy's saying you know everything if consciousness is is you know more important than the than the material if the material is coming from the consciousness then then the perception of cold would be the mo- would be more real right yeah So any any of those? No. So so what would you say about that? Nothing. I don't have anything to say about that. Right, so it says uh So which one is more real? Is it is it that cold isn't that there is no cold or is that cold is the it's real? I don't know. You know, it, it's all the quadrant in, in the different relational aspects, any of those? No. Yeah, because you know they they talked about that. There's like four levels of you know like the the perceptions of cold and you know the different types of mechanoreceptors that can feel it, and it's all built around the quadrant. I studied the different aspects of that. But any thoughts on? No. So it says, uh, Doctor Murphy. But how can one perceive this sort of hypnotism, Sridhara Maharaja? How can we know beforehand that in a laboratory combining hydrogen and oxygen, two gases will produce water? Only when one comes to a particular stage of scientific knowledge, can he know that a more subtle thing like gas can produce a tangible material thing like water? And that way, when you have an idea of the highest substance, then you can understand how from the subtle the gross has originated. Any thoughts? This relative world is perverted reflection of the absolute reality. Highly qualified things must be given the position of causal importance. It is not that a lower thing can produce a higher thing, but it is easy for a higher thing to produce something lower. This is not difficult to understand. Any thoughts? No. So the modern scientific position is saying basically that stone can produce soul, but why not consider that soul can produce stone? Any thoughts on it? (laughs) Yeah, that's getting... Yeah, it, it's it, complicated it, for me. It, what, what, I, what I like about it is at least it's taking you out of the rational, naturalistic conception, but then it's also, now it's creating more of a bizarre per- conception that also is nonsensical, but at least it's taking you out of cause and effect thinking, right? Yeah. Ultimately to the quadrant realization, but any thoughts on it? But, no. but, but, but even if it's like nonsensical, yeah. But even even the sensical is, is not accurate, you know? So it says, it says we have to inquire that we have to inquire about that process, how the soul can produce stone. But we have done away with that, and instead we say that stone is gradually producing soul. We are very fond of investigating in that line. Why? The subtle should be given more importance than the gross. Why should we think that man has created God and not that God has created man? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, read that again. He says, why, he says, why the subtle should be given more importance than the gross? Why should we think that man has created God and not that God has created man? Well, that's, that, that's our immediate perception, so therefore the tendency is to, is, is, is to simplify things rather than to look deeper. Yeah, so what would you say? We are we are expressions of God. So but you but you're saying like the stone people most people say that out of like material out of the you know out of the human comes a consciousness or out of the stone if once a stone complexifies it it produces consciousness stuff. But he's saying that no. The stone doesn't produce a conscious or this the stone doesn't produce a soul which is like the consciousness. The soul creates the stone. Any thoughts on that? Right. 
Yeah. But it makes you think of, of Marx, you know, when Marx was talking about like that, that man created God. Right. And a lot of the Greek philosophers of that too, but he's saying no, like any, any thoughts on that? No. All right. So it says Dr. Singh, then God is the magician and we are his subjects. Any thoughts? Yep. That's a good metaphor. So, but, but you were against that idea because you were like, that's magical thinking, thinking of like a magician in the sky and stuff. Well, that's different. Yeah, but but Hare Krishna do do think that she, Krishna is a magician, like of a, a personal magician in the sky, kind of. Yeah. Wait, does it? No. So it says, uh, not only is he a magician, but the super magician. Who? Plato. He is not merely the kind of magician that is within our experience. This is their book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any thoughts, That's good, man. That's good. Any thoughts, Nakama? No. Um, oh, it's in my background. So it says, what... what I mean, it could it could be self confirmatory if you believe in dualism, like se- separation, right? But but you would say, you know, it, with the quadrant, yeah, that is kind of magical, and you could look at it kind of as magical. But at the same time, you, it acknowledges the idea of the flow, which is transcendence of the self, oneness, consciousness, right? Yep. So it says, uh, and plus, yeah, if someone attaches themselves to the idea of of one thing like, Oh no, God is not a person or, Oh no, God is a person. Yeah. Then they're attached regardless. And they're not necessarily in the flow, but you know, but the truth, you know, the people can get in the flow. You, you get realization of the truth, right? Right. Which is a quadrant. Any thoughts on that? No. Yeah. So it says, uh, what is the role of Yogamaya, the Lord's internal potency? Uh, Sridhara Maharaja. She is found in the eternal company of Krishna. In our conception of divinity, Purusa, Prakriti, the masculine, feminine, are existing together. Potent and potency, substance and potency, are inconceivably interconnected. Otherwise, if we conceive of the Supreme Soul as existing independent of any potency, that will be the Brahman conception of Shankaracharya, ultimate consciousness as non-differentiated oneness. Any thoughts? No. So the absolute truth includes both potent and potency. Purusa, Prakriti, uh, consciousness with energy. Any thoughts on No. This is, get, this is getting beyond my level of understanding. I'm yeah. not following anything. Yeah, well, we well, let's just do like uh, 15 more minutes of it. Ready? Okay. So it says... Uh, Actually, there are three main elements to be traced within divinity, jhana, bala, and kriya. The eternal aspect of the absolute whole is divided in three ways, energy, consciousness, and ecstasy. Thinking, willing, and feeling, sat-chit-ananda. Any thoughts? No. Sat, the potency for maintaining existence, is the potency of bala-deva. Sit, the consciousness aspect, is vasudeva. And ananda, ecstatic feeling, is radhika. Jhana, bala, kriya. Knowledge, strength, feeling, Satchitananda, eternity, cognition, bliss, Sadhini, Sam, Samvit, Hladini, existence, relation, ecstasy, Baladeva, Krishna, Radharani. These are the three phases of Advaya Jnana, or the one whole. The one whole can be thought of in its primary evolved stage in three ways main consciousness, main energy, and main satisfaction. Any thoughts? No. In three phases, we are to conceive of that ultimate reality. It is there. Jnana, Bala, Kriya. Thinking, feeling, willing. Satchit, Ananda. Satyam, Sivam, Sundaram. Eternity, auspiciousness, beauty. And these three principles are expressed through evolution and dissolution in the eternal and non-eternal. These aspects of theism have been dealt with in a very scientific way in Sri Krishna Samhita of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Once I considered from the point of view the question of the planets in Vedic cosmology, we see that by the movements of the different planets, a solar eclipse is caused by the moon's shadow falling upon the earth. And yet in the scriptures it has been described that during an eclipse, 
the planet Rahu is devouring the sun or the moon. When Srila Bhaktis Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was in Puri during his last days and an eclipse came, one devotee who was supposed to know Siddhanta, the conclusions of scripture, was sitting next to Prabhupada. He suddenly ridiculed the idea given in the Bhagavatam that during a solar or lunar eclipse, Rahu devours the sun or moon. I could not tolerate that such a remark should be passed in regard to the Bhagavatam and argued that what Srimad Bhagavatam has stated is not to be taken lightly. I offered what seemed like some far-fetched support. I said that in his Jaya Dharma Bhakti Vinoda, Takura has created so many characters, but I think that they are not imaginary. What he has written might have occurred during some other millennium kalpa or day of Brahma, and that has now come to the surface. In this way, I went on to support the cosmological position of the Bhagavatam by arguing that what is necessary to prove reality must also have some real position. It cannot but be. In this way, my argument went and Prabhupada supported me. Any thoughts? In understanding the position of the planet Rahu, what Sak uh, Sukadeva and Vyasadeva have said is geographically impossible, but their statements are there in Srimad Bhavatam. And do, you know, the, do you know what the Bhagavatam is? Yeah, yeah. Does he know what the Bhagavatam is? I don't know. But no, I, you I, gotta give some context as you're reading behind what those are. Like yeah. Who Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur is, who Prabhupada is. Yeah. Who I, 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 listen, I listen to all the serials like the Vishnu Puran and the Mahabharata and, uh, you know, all those different serials. So I have an idea of it. And I, and I told my grandpa about a lot of them. Because you have to have some context who these personalities are, what's being yeah. talked about. Yeah, I'll, I'll explain it to him when we get to that sort. So it says, uh, and the literal meaning of the scriptures is not to be taken lightly. Considering the importance of the literal meaning of the scripture, Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaja presented Bhagavad Gita as it is. I thought, how am I to prove that the Bhagavatam says? I don't know. But what is said in Srimad Bhagavatam must be true. I have faith in that. <clears throat> There are so many statements on the cosmology of the universe in the scriptures. The Aryans, as spiritually developed men of former times, used to see everything as consciousness. They saw that the shadow is also conscious. The shadow, Abhasa, is also considered to be a stage of consciousness. Only through that shadowy stage of consciousness can we come to the material conception of a thing. Before we reach the conception of a shadow, we must pass through some mental stage and personification may be attached to that mental stage. The personification of the shadow may be referred to as Rahu. Any thoughts? No. The soul approaches matter, the material world. But before that, he must pass through a shadowy stage of consciousness called Chidabasa. Consciousness passes through the shadow level of consciousness into matter, non-consciousness. And that shadow stage of consciousness has its personality. It is also conscious and may be known as Rahu. Any thoughts? Every material conception presupposes a spiritual conception of that particular thing. The shadow through which consciousness must pass in order to perceive things as material has personality. And in the Bhagavatam, the Rishis, the seers of the truth, are addressing it as Rahu. Because they are highly developed, they find the personal aspect of existence everywhere. What we perceive to be dead matter, they perceive to be conscious. Therefore, they always take the personal perspective. Any thoughts? Um, one second. Uh, what was, what was the name of the guy that we were listening to the other day? Oh yeah, Peterson. Um, so it says, the soul, when going to experience any material conception, will have to pass through a medium which influences his consciousness to see things as material. What is concrete matter is unknown. It is a mere effect of consciousness. As everything material must have some conscious origin or origin in personal consciousness, there must be a personal conception of the sun, the moon, the earth, and all the planets. Before we reach the conception of a shadow or any other object, the soul has to pass through a conscious stage. That stage has some spiritual existence as a person. Therefore, the Bhagavatam refers to the sun, the moon, and uh, planet Rahu as persons. Um, everything, the earth, the moon, the stars, the planets has a personal conception in the background of what we can perceive with our dull senses, everything that is said to be matter, there must be a personal conception. 
without the influence of a personal conception, consciousness cannot reach the stage of gross matter. Right, doesn't it? No. Therefore, in the ancient scriptures, we find that the great sages and rishis are always addressing everything within the world as a person. Although to us it is dead, matter, they have considered them as persons. Why? The matter is rather the shadow of the personal entity. The personal conscious entity is more real. And the matter we perceive, though through dimmed consciousness, is less real. Any thoughts on that? Makes sense. So it's, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of like what, what Peterson was talking about. He was saying like, you know, in empirical sciences, we, we kind of like look at things in, in the dry level, like the surface level of, oh, that's just wood or that's just the sun. It's made of helium and stuff. But it, it's not looking at the affective or deeper meaning behind this stuff. Any thoughts on that? Yep. There's like a deeper code or or that there, there, you know, that there could be a higher metaphysical, mystical mind behind everything. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, and, and again, like the quadrant shows itself as supreme, but – but then I was, I was thinking though, that what's fascinating though is, you know, I mean, with, with this, they're, they're, you know, yeah. So, we'll, you know, like I, I think it was like Augustine. He said that like, when he looked at the, you would call the river like brother river, and the sun like brother sun, and the moon like mother moon, right? And I guess that could be like a oneness type of consciousness, right? Yeah. Like seeing it all as a part of you. And like I remember when I was younger, I used to like talk to my when I was considered like one of the best basketball players in the nation. Yeah, there's nobody here right now, Grandpa. I I, I make sure to, to 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 say what what you know say things only if people are are there. Like I I'm, I'm careful what I say around people. You know what I mean? People come in and out of here. But but yeah, so so like you know the the it could be like a oneness conscious, but it also could be a separation conscious if you do look at it quote unquote superstitiously in that you're not looking for the deeper meaning of it, right? Any thoughts? Yeah. So I was thinking like the the myth of Rahu, that was about the, the demigods versus the gods, and they were trying to get Amrita, which is like the nectar of immortality, and it was more about transcending dualism and the nectar, and Rahu took a little bit of it, and you know, it's it's an etiological myth that explains why there's an eclipse, but you know, the, the Hare Krishna take it literally, right? But, yeah. Yeah, but, but, then, but then the question is like, well, who's to say the Hare Krishna are wrong when they take it literally? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, they might be right. But you know, but but anyways, but yeah, but regardless, so like, which comes first, the myth or the reality? You know, like my question about like, you know, the Mahabharata might be about the sun versus the versus the storm, right? The the Indra versus the Surya, the sun god's son, right? Uh, Arjuna, who's the son of the the wind god versus Surya, the son of the sun god. Maybe that's what it's about, just the sun. But what but what about? But you know, but then people might reduce it to that. But really. You know, there, there's a deeper meaning to maybe just the idea that there's sun and clouds. Maybe, you know, even physical reality is a metaphor of a deeper reality. So maybe the the myth is actually more more essential and primary. And that came first. And, you know, people because people say, oh, well, people just got that myth by looking at reality and, and looking at how the sun and the clouds, you know, shape each other. But maybe the myth was primary. You know what I mean? And, and reality conforms to the myth. Any thoughts on that? About the about the cloud versus sun, you know the Surya, the sun god versus Indra, the the cloud god. Like any thoughts on that? No, that's pretty heavy stuff. Yeah, but but again, it's it's taking you out of the the cause and effect thinking and stuff, and you know with the quadrant stuff, yeah, it definitely does take you out of all those the the naturalistic conceptions and stuff because there, it is all you know the tetragrammaton, the quadrant. Any thoughts on that? But but pretty interesting, huh? But but so but so it says, uh, Doctor Murphy. So that shadow is Rahu, Sridhara Maharaja. When we conceive of the personal representation of that shadow, it will be known as Rahu. Everything is conscious. The shadow, its effect, everything. When the moon is between the sun and the earth, the shadow of the moon is coming here, and what is coming is also conscious. Everything is conscious first, and then there is matter. Any thoughts on it? Everything is conscious or consciousness? He says conscious first, then there is matter. He didn't say consciousness. He said conscious, he said conscious first, then there is matter. Uh, so it's kind of interesting how I, I used to talk to my shoes when I was playing basketball. Like when I was considered like the best, like when I was playing basketball, I would talk to my shoes while I was playing. And I would try to like make friends with my shoes because I thought, you know, they're a part of me. Right? Any thoughts on that? Uh, as if they were like objects, if, if they were conscious. But – you know, or even like when, when the girl was going to cut off the head of a beanie baby, like I cried because I felt like the beanie baby was conscious, even though I, you know, obviously it's not, it's inanimate. But I mean, that, that can kind of trick you because it has like a face, you know, it's a beanie baby. But at the same time, like, 
you know, I, I, the tree, like I, I was sad when, when, when I pulled off leaves from a tree, right. I did it and I felt sad afterwards. I mean, even dad was like, yeah, that, that was mean, but I felt sad, you know, or, or even like breaking a rock and stuff. You can have that much compassion and see the rock is conscious, you know, any thoughts of that? Yeah. Or, you know, is it and stuff in like, well, you know, especially if you're in like a dream, who's to say, say what's animate, what's the difference between you and something animate if everything's one in a dream, then, you know, then, then the rock is one with you. And, and yeah. if it's one with you, then it has a personality, right? Or it doesn't. Well, I don't know that it has a personality, but it is one. Yeah, but if you look at the, like, the, the Hindu mythology, it, it's all like, you know, Agni is the fire god, right? And he's fire. So, like, yeah, it is interesting how they, you know, personify in, in all the mythologies. They, they personify all these objects in nature or elements of nature or aspects of, of, of reality. You know, there's a moon god. There's a god of the bears. There's a god of the monkeys. There's a guy, you know, there's a God of luck. There's a, all of it's personified. Any thoughts of the meaning of that? Any thoughts? No. So is it just because like we understand human nature the most, we understand like, uh, personality the most. And then we, we ascribe these personalities to these things, or maybe it's, it's some sort of deeper consciousness of maybe these things are conscious or like any, any thoughts of that? Well, it could be. But like, you know, but, you know, according to Peterson, remember he was saying that like, yeah, people look at the empirical stuff, but then they're adding the mythical aspect, which adds an affective component to it. And maybe by like making it into a person, now we're adding an affective, like a, a connection with these things and trying to find deeper meanings. And, and But what comes first? Do we try to add affective like personality to these things? Or maybe there is some sort of absolute truth behind the physical nature of reality that we're, that we're, that, that reality conform to that reality has expressed this this uh you know like kind of like what they're talking about like krishna's pastimes alila you know that that's what's primary and people would say no humans just invented those pastimes but maybe those pastimes were primary and, and the timeless truths that they have and, and those are primary and and we are the secondary and reality is a secondary you know any thoughts on that yeah, it could be. But but the idea is though, but those pastimes are just an aspect of religion, which is a second quadrant, you know, and the second quadrant is is mytho mythological. It's weird and it's belief, faith, behavior, belonging, and it has it's irrational. Like any thoughts on that? No. All right. So it says everything is. So he says, uh, everything is conscious first, then there is matter. From the personal conception, things evolve to gross consciousness. It is all personal. So the rishis, with such a vision of reality, used to address everything as a person. The trees, the mountains, the sun, the moon, the ocean. When pure consciousness is coming to experience uh, pure matter, then or is coming to experience pure matter, then there must first be some mixed stage, and that is a person suffering in karma. Person means they are not a fully developed spiritual person at present, but in a mixed condition. So what the rishis are saying that everything is a person is real. It is not a concoction. Any thoughts? So everything is conscious. At the present, scientists say everything is matter. We have real cause to think that everything is conscious. Whatever you see does not matter. We can directly feel what is in our nature. That is conscious. Our consciousness may be in a developed or degraded position, but consciousness is nearer to us. We feel our mental energy only. Any thoughts on that? So, so that's what I was getting at about this idea of, you know, okay, someone might say, oh, yeah, cold is not real because it's just, you know, the molecules going slower and stuff. But, you know, what this guy's saying is consciousness is what's most near to us. Our perception of coldness is what's most near. Maybe that's the most real. And and the idea of, like, molecules and stuff, that's what's not real. You know, any thoughts on that? Right. You know, but, but, but you, you looked at it kind of different, like – I always got the impression that you saw everything as energy and stuff. And so in, in the way I saw you, you saw things as like magical. Like when I said like, you know, the, these people had did miracles when they were these, these like church fathers, when they put their arms out in the form of a cross, you're like, well, that's a little magical thinking. But if you understand this aspect, you know, the, the deeper metaphysical aspect, it's not magical thinking. That type of stuff can happen because they're, they're in, in conformity. They're, they're in alignment with the principle of existence, which is the quadrant and miracles can happen. Magical things can happen. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's certainly possible. Yeah, but but you would see it as no. If everything's energy, and you know, you looked at it more of a rationalistic, naturalistic, even even you know, understanding the idea of evolution. But even evolution itself is metaphorical and points to the quadrant. Yeah, 
So the quadrant supreme, and that's all magical. That's 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 metaphysical. Any thoughts on that? No. Um. Time to go. All right. Any other thoughts, Jacob? No, that was a lot of heavy stuff that I got lost about twenty minutes ago. All right. Okay. All right, thank you.